This is our first session now on Ephesians 5, 22 to 24. And really, the section goes all the way to verse 33 on the relationship between husbands and wives. And all I want to do in this first session is make a few big picture comments. So, Father, I pray that even as we take a big picture view, you would show us the absolutely amazing reality of the mystery of marriage between men and women in Christ. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the remainder of Ephesians. Chapter 5, verses 22 to 33 is wives and husbands in their relationship. Chapter 6, verses 1 to 4 is children and fathers in their relationship. Chapter 6, verses 5 through 9 is slaves and masters in their relationship. And then a section on the whole armor of God as we do battle with the principalities and powers in the heavenly places in 6, 10 to 20, and then some final greetings. In these three, we have pairs, wives being subject to husbands and husbands loving their wives and children being subject to their uh, parents and their fathers in particular are highlighted here and fathers charged to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and slaves being subject to their masters and masters for swearing, that is, renouncing, uh, threatening to their slaves. Each of these is addressed as broken relationships that in Christ are fixed. Something amazing is transformed because the fall has broken all of these relationships. Wives distorted, husbands distorted, children distorted, fathers distorted, slaves and masters distorted. In fact, most of us would realize this one is so broken that when Paul is done with his remedy for how to fix it, it virtually goes out of existence. Now, we'll have to see that and wonder why it took so long for that to happen, but slave-master relationships were all over the world, in every country, and remain so, and the influence by which they were undone was Christianity, even though Christianity has been used to support it as well. So lots to think about there, but that'll be some weeks into the future. Each of these is broken, and each is being remedied by Paul in Ephesians, and the one we're focusing on is wives and husbands. And I just want to give you the big picture. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as even Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their own husbands. See this as here? Husbands are head of the wife as Christ is head of the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives submit to the husbands. These two ases here introduce the most glorious picture of marriage that exists in the world. 
There has never been anything before or after Paul's words in Ephesians 22, 5, 22 to 33, that is greater than the picture of marriage in these verses. Nobody has come close to saying anything greater about marriage than what Paul says here. And what he says is that marriage is designed by God to be a picture or a parable or a model or a representation of his eternal marriage to his people, and specifically the marriage of the Son of God to the people of God whom he redeemed. There isn't anything greater that you can say about marriage than that. So that's where he starts and he keeps going. Now, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You can't say anything more amazing about a husband's relationship to his wife than that. It doesn't get any more high, challenging, amazing, beautiful, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that he might be holy, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, so as Christ loved the church and as husbands love themselves, two huge, incomparable models of love. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. She's your closest neighbor. And better, love her as Christ loved the church. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, now, here's the quotation from Genesis 2.24, which shows he's pointing to the way marriage was originally conceived by God in the first place. Therefore, this is pre-fall, Genesis 2.24, man hasn't fallen yet. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. This, this marriage, as it was revealed in Genesis 2.24, is a mystery, a great mystery, a profound mystery. Well, what's the interpretation of the mystery? I am saying that it, this marriage here, refers to Christ and the church. In other words, when God said in these words, a man shall leave his mother and father and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, when God said that, and Jesus said God said it, not just Moses said it, these are the words of God as Scripture is understood by Jesus. When God said that, he was saying I created marriage to model Christ and the church before there was any revelation of Christ and before there was any revelation of the church because he had in view from the beginning that he would choose a people for himself and he made marriage the model of that before it was even revealed to the world. Whoever let each one of you love his wife, as himself, and let the wife see that she respects 
her husband. One last observation, besides saying this is the most glorious, the most amazing picture of marriage that has ever existed. Some people, it just baffles me why they keep doing this. But for years, decades, I have been doing combat exegetically with people who say that in verse 21, when we are all told to submit to one another, which is what I talked about in the previous sessions, people will say marriage is only about mutual submission. So, if we are to submit, all Christians are to submit to one another, then husbands are to submit to wives, and wives are to submit to husbands. And I'm not going to take this back. I think that's true. But the meaning of this was assume a position and a posture and an attitude of service, getting down low and lifting the other up and meeting the other's needs. But to say that this submission to one another cancels out everything in verses 24 or 22 to 33, which is all designed, all 12 verses of it, is designed to talk about differences in how that mutual submission works itself out. You can't flatten as Christ is the head of the church and as the church submits to Christ. You can't flatten that and say husbands have the same role as wives and wives have the same role as husbands. It just flies totally in the face of everything Paul is trying to say. Husbands are the head. As Christ is the head of the church, and as the church submits to Christ, so wives submit in everything to their husbands. In other words, this submission right here in 21, which is mutual, takes on different forms, different displays, different uh, ways of serving each other. I serve my wife as her head. She serves me as the church serves Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about in the weeks, or let's just say the episodes to come. I don't know how quickly you listen to these. So that's enough for right now. The big picture of verses 22 to 33 is that Paul presents marriage as the most stunning, amazing, glorious relationship on earth in the world because it is modeled, has been modeled ever since creation before the fall on the relationship between God and his people, or more specifically, Christ and his church. And there isn't a more exalted view of marriage in the universe. And we will take it calmly and joyfully and a step at a time in the sessions to come.